As Colin mentioned earlier, he is beginning this series, this carols series, with the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And uh, we have the pleasure this morning of three of our own uh, young ladies that uh, are going to come and they're going to share this song, uh, this ancient song with us this morning. So uh, we welcome Victoria Hart, Mallory Immel, and Cecily Stewart. Thank you all so much. What a blessing to have that kind of giftedness in our body. We, let's pray together as we open our, uh, our eyes to the Christmas season. Father, we ask that you would come. That you would come and you would fill this place. And that you would fill my voice, God, with the words you want to share this morning. This is an exciting season, God, with so many things going on. And yet it can be a, a difficult season in so many ways. So would you bring your hope and your peace and your joy in this moment, God? This morning, I pray you would pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts and in our lives. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, the more the years go by, the more Christmas becomes a time of nostalgia. I I know some of you are saying, just wait, there's more nostalgia to come, right? I think back about my childhood, I think back to moments, I think back to memories, and I, I, I kind of long for the past even already. And then you have children, and you want to give them some of the same experiences. 
You hope that someday they'll look back with nostalgia and, and, and look back fondly on those memories. And, and so the joy that you used to have is just so much better when you get to see the joy in their eyes through this season. I, th- I think of Christmas as an enchanted time, a time where things happen that don't happen all the rest of the season, where our kids kind of light up with joy about all the things around. We got to experience this on Friday in Grapevine. I had no idea Grapevine was the Christmas capital of Texas, but uh, it is apparently, and so we had a good time on Friday doing that. And we want to do these things so our kids will enjoy the season as much as we did. When I think about Christmas, I think about all kinds of things. I think about carols and singing them at retirement centers. I think about uh, gifts that were given. I think about carols that were sung. I think about, I think about It's a Wonderful Life that we watched uh, on TV each year. I think about all kinds of traditions that we kept, from putting the tree up to putting tinsel on and reciting something we were grateful for each year. You all have your own traditions, but you remember these growing up, don't you? And I want my kids to have the same experience. But the more I think about Christmas, and I was thinking about it this week, I realized that Christmas is often something we think of with nostalgia, something about the past. And certainly there's a past element to Christmas. For the story began 2,000 years ago with a baby being born to a virgin, an impossible story that actually becomes possible with the way we celebrate Christmas, the story of Jesus coming into the world. And I remember all kinds of feelings associated with this growing up. Probably most of all, I remember the feeling of Christmas Eve, right? Of having the most difficult time getting to sleep. It's the hardest night of the year to fall asleep because I was so excited about the next morning. And and every family has one of these kids in the family that gets up at 345, right, and wakes everybody else up. If you don't remember the other kids, it was you probably that did that to everyone else. So it's a little bit more of a dread that that happens. The alarm goes off with our kids coming into the room. But there's excitement, too, because we get to see the looks on their faces as they look under the tree and wonder what's there, what they asked might be there that shows up. I think out of the 20 most exciting moments of my childhood, 15 of those were Christmas morning. Just remembering getting up that morning and and looking under the tree and being with family. And it was exciting then, but man, I tell you the challenge of doing this as a parent now is different because now we've got social media to compare everything else to, right? So we see all these parents and families that seem to pull everything off and and so we've got, they got holiday parties. I mean, you look on Pinterest and it's like, man, what, how do I keep up with everyone else, right? I don't have a Pinterest account, by the way. I keep up through my, my wife. But, uh, but you know what it is like. You know, you look around you and you think, man, I don't know if I'm creating the experience for my kids that, that they need. Are they going to remember it with as much nostalgia as I remember it? But Christmas tends to be about the past when I remember back to it. But I'm beginning to realize that this season is more than just about the past. It's also about the future. And, and we don't often talk about that when it comes to Christmas, but this morning I want to talk about how, how Christmas impacts us in the past, but also the future of what's to come. That's what the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is all about. Lord, would you come to this place? And, I, and we all want to pray the same prayer today, don't we? God, we need you more than ever in this place. With all of the, the problems that we see on the news from week to week, with all the, with the things that we see in our world, God, would you come and would you make this place different? I want to assure you this morning that Christmas is not just about the past. It's not just a nostalgic moment to remember a childhood long ago. It's also about God's future. I'm excited to share more with you about that. But first, about the past. It is about the past. 
It's a story about Jesus being born in the world. And so this is 2,000 years ago that here we are celebrating the same story of one night with a star in the sky, wise men who show up a little bit after. We don't know exactly when, but shepherds who arrive and, and this baby being born on apparently a silent night. Now, they were never silent when we had our kids, but you know how the story goes. The story didn't begin, though, in that moment 2,000 years ago. It actually started before that moment. We often look back to Christmas and we think about the birth being the, the moment this all happened. But, but this Christmas story begins actually centuries before Jesus is ever born into the world. It begins uh, with some prophets in Israel as Israel is experiencing life in a foreign country. They're no longer in the land of Palestine. They're living as exiles in a foreign land. And as they're in this foreign land, they're under the rule of other foreign leaders. This is not the way they hoped it would go. And Why are they there? Well, they had disobeyed God. They had followed after other gods. And so God sent them away for a time. They're living in exile. And all of a sudden, these prophets begin to tell a story about a child who will one day be born. And this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, comes from one of those prophecies. A little bit of history on this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's interesting to look at. It was translated in the 19th century, I believe, by a guy named John Mason Neal. And there's a whole background to him that's fascinating. He was a missionary in another, another place. But the words to this song were written far before that. It was written in the 9th century. So these songs that were just sung on the stage, they've been sung for over a thousand years. Originally, they were what uh, the church called the O Antiphons. There were these verses that for seven days leading up to Christmas, every verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, in a little different form, was chanted as a reminder of a God who they hoped would come for Israel. Here's the words of the song. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. And I love, this is one of my favorite Christmas carols because it takes me back to the story where it actually began. It started with a longing from the people of Israel to be redeemed, to be saved, to be able to go back to the land they'd known so long ago. The the story uh, that this comes from is actually in the book of Isaiah. And the prophecy that Isaiah gives happens about 740 years before Jesus is born. So this Christmas story doesn't begin uh, when Jesus is born. It starts centuries before that. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open to Isaiah chapter 7. We'll have the words on the screen also for you. But Isaiah chapter 7, uh, verse 14 is where I want to read. These are the words, again, that were written over 700 years before Jesus was born. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him. Emmanuel. Now that phrase Emmanuel just means simply God with us. And when we pray, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, we're praying for God to come near. And that was the prayer of Isaiah. The the prophecy of Isaiah is one day Emmanuel is going to come and he's going to be born of a virgin. And this child, this this child is going to save us. Save us to go back, uh, to, to, to have our sins forgiven. But it was a longing back then that they could go back to the land that they had been given by God originally. And after 740 years of waiting, finally this baby is born. And I think it's important for us to realize that this story doesn't begin with the birth of Jesus. It begins long before that because here's a truth that we all have to acknowledge. That the best gifts that we receive are received. With our, with, uh, with, it always answers the greatest longings that we have. Think about this for a moment, right? Those of you who've had kids... The Shivers had their baby here for the first time in first service today. They've just had a baby. We have, have a, had a baby this last year who's getting to have her first Christmas. 
That baby didn't just come on one day. That wasn't how it works, right? Any amens, moms? This is a process, right? It takes nine months for this baby to develop and get to a place where this baby can enter into the world. And part of the joy of a childbirth isn't that it just happens in one day and it's a surprise. It's that there's this longing, there's this anticipation, there's this desire that this child that doesn't exist will come to be and now we'll get to hold this baby in our arms. And the feeling of getting to hold your baby in your arms for the first time is this feeling of finally what I've longed for is here. The greatest gifts that come into our lives aren't gifts I don't think they come by surprise. I think the greatest gifts are ones that we've hoped would come, that we've longed for would come, that we've expected might come someday. We have a longing for it, and that longing is answered by receiving that gift. Perhaps that's why Christmas is such a difficult time for some of us. Because think about this, when it comes to longing and waiting for things, we wait nine months anticipating a child to be born into the world. Baby Jesus came into the world after 740 years of longing and waiting and expecting a promise that God had given them. And then we look at when it comes to Christmas, and yeah, we might have some longing and excitement about Christmas coming, but most of us, by the end of it, we're just glad to see it over, right? Like our longing is just, let's get through this so we can get to the new year and kind of move on with our lives. And there's an an excitement for some of us, but for some of us, it's just, it's especially hard for some of us who've lost a loved one this year, who now you're going to be sitting around a table with an empty chair that was filled last year. And, and, and this morning, I want us to realize that the longings, the emptiness, the feeling as if, God, this world's not right, and, and, and we wish you would come, that that feeling ties into the very story of Christmas that happened long before baby Jesus ever entered onto the earth. And the greatest gifts are gifts that answer the longings that we have. And so those longings and that emptiness you have, don't, it's, this is not a place where we just put up Christmas trees and, and have joy about this season. No, this is, this is actually a gift that's a longing. And so you, you can bring your, 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 your cries, you can bring your emptiness, you can bring your longings, and that can be part of the story. And sometimes the way we've told the Christmas story, it hasn't been that way. Longings. Longings being answered. Oh, I, let me come into this from a little different way. I, see, I think when it comes to grace, we, we receive grace as a great gift to us. We, we love grace. But we only appreciate grace to the, agree, to the degree that we acknowledge our own sin. Here's what I mean by that. If you think that your sins are just kind of small and minimal and not a big deal really, well, when grace comes in your life to cover that, you don't need that much grace to cover your sin because it's not a big deal. But some of us have lived long enough to know that our sin is a pretty big deal. We've been through some stuff. We've messed up some people's lives. We, we, we can acknowledge the depth of our sin. And if you acknowledge the full depth of your sin, all that you've done to cause harm in people's lives or cause harm to your own, and you think about that, and think about the grace that covers that. Think about the longing that's needed to forgive that sin. And if you acknowledge your sin is great, grace is going to be all that much greater if it covers that, right? In fact, Jesus talks about this in, in the Gospel of Luke. He tells a story uh, in, in Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 41 that I want to read to you. Luke 7, verse 41. This is a parable that Jesus tells. He says, Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Jesus asked. And Simon, the guy he's talking to, replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. 
Now think about this, right? This is true in our own lives. That when we have a huge debt, think about what, what James has talked about earlier about Financial Peace University. Some of us have experienced debt to a great degree, and, and some of us not so great, right? Maybe not as much. I'm telling you, when, when you get out from under the shackles of debt, and you've had that forgiven in some way, or, or you've worked to get free of that, the feeling and the longing of, of hoping to get to that point, you finally get there. Now you're able to appreciate much more than someone who never owed anything in the first place. And so this longing we have to be forgiven, this longing and desire to be free of that debt or to be freed from the slavery of sin that we've had, the more we long for that, the greater the gift is when we receive it. Amen? When I think about Christmas, sometimes we don't have a longing, and so we're not sure what we're celebrating. But this story has a longing that's been in it from the very beginning. The season is often described as the Christmas season, but the Christian church for centuries has talked about this season as the season of Advent as well. Advent is just, uh, comes from a Latin term that means coming. It talks about the coming of Jesus into the world. And this idea is that we, we, we prepare for Jesus to come by expressing our longing, our anticipation for him to come. And that longing and anticipation means more when we long for it and then we get to receive it. Just like Christmas, uh, Easter, you know, you can celebrate the resurrection, but if you've experienced the death of your own sin in a particular season and then resurrection comes on that Easter, it means something more. Or if you've lost a loved one, have you ever done this and you get to Easter, all of a sudden Easter is this incredible moment that it never seemed to be before because now you know that death is not the final word. And your loved one gets to experience that and you have a longing for that to happen one day as well. Well, Advent is for those who have a longing in their souls. Advent is for, is for those who know the world is not right and we long for a world that's more just, a world that is more loving, a world that is more peace-filled than the world we currently inhabit. A world where the tables that we sit at have all of our loved ones and that's not the way it is for all of us and that's what makes this season so difficult. So sometimes we think, well, that's just not a part of the Christmas season. Maybe I can't celebrate this. But I want to include you in this if you're experiencing mourning or loss this year, an emptiness or a longing. That that longing is actually a holy longing for something more that God wants to bring into this world. And this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is trying to call out for that very longing to say, God, we have a longing in our souls. Would you bring Emmanuel here? Would you bring your son to us? Because here's the interesting thing about the Christmas story. The story begins with these Jews who long for Jesus, the Messiah, to enter into the world, right? And here we are, and what are we longing for? We're longing for Jesus to come back to the world, aren't we? We're longing for his second return, for him to come back and, and, and to make all things new in that moment. The longings and desires we have of the injustice being done away with, that will all be answered in that moment. So when we come to Christmas, it's not just uh, about what God's done in the past of bringing Jesus into the world. This is about a story that we get to experience with Israel as we long for God to return again and the Messiah comes to deliver us. Isn't that good news? This is not just a story about nostalgia about the past. This is actually a story about a God who's going to do something in the future. And so when we sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel... It's not just kind of tying into the story of Israel and saying, yeah, they used to want God to do something like this. No, it's actually saying, no, we want the very same thing that Israel wanted. We want Jesus to return and to make everything the way he promised it would be. And that gives me so much more hope. And, and Jeremiah, in his prophecy about Jesus, actually talks about some of this idea about a longing and about, uh, about who God is now. Let's talk, read this from Jeremiah uh, chapter 23. Jeremiah 23, beginning in verse 5. I think this is an important passage for where we're living and in our time and our place. 
So Jeremiah has this prophecy as Israel's waiting for the coming uh, of Jesus. It says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Now think about this longing for centuries, for longer than America has been a nation. That's how long Israel is waiting on this Messiah to come. Long time of anticipation. Some of them probably doubted whether this was going to come real or not, if anyone was going to show up to save them. But but this Jesus shows up, and and here it says again, you're going to be saved. You're going to live in peace. The land's going to be yours again. I'm sending somebody through the line of David to be your Savior. But I want to read the verses that follow this, because sometimes we stop there. Verse 7. Listen closely to this. So then the days are coming, declares the Lord. When people will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt. But they will say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the descendants of Israel up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them, then they will live in their own land. Did you hear the promise of this? He's talking to them in this moment and saying, you've known God as Yahweh, the one who delivered you from slavery in Egypt. It was the greatest act that God had accomplished to this point for Israel. What he's saying is, that's how you know God. You know him as the one who delivered you from slavery in Egypt. But there's coming a day where people are going to know God by an act that's even greater than the Exodus. One day they're going to know Yahweh as the God who delivered people out of the countries where they'd been banished. You know, it's so much easier to talk about a God who acted in the past. To kind of have almost a nostalgic view of God. We're very comfortable using past tense verbs when it comes to God about what God did in the past, because Scripture talks about those, and we can read about it, and, and we're just amazed at that. And so we, we testify to the acts of what God has done, and we should certainly do that. But Jeremiah is trying to say, there's a day coming where it's not just about what God did in Egypt, it's going to be about what God did in sending his son to the earth, and that's going to change everything. And so the word to us in 2014 might just be the same word today. You've known about a God who sent a deliverer, Moses, to Egypt. And that was a great story about what God did. And you've known about a God who sent Jesus into the world through the birth, and, and, and he changed everything in that moment. But we're not just talking about past tense. We're talking about a God who still acts and still promises to send his son, Jesus, again, to save us all and to make everything the way God intended it to be always. And that's good news. Because sometimes we're really hesitant to talk about what God's doing in the present And if we think God did something in the past, that's one thing. But if we can't speak about what God's doing in the future, it's going to be hard to believe he's doing anything now. And I think this is something we've lost in our churches. A sense of hope and anticipation about what God's going to do in the future, that that the second coming is actually good news. And I remember thinking about Jesus and thinking, man, I hope he comes back, just not until Christmas, some of those years, right? Right? I was excited about the presents that were going to be opened up. And there have been moments in my life I'm like, God, just wait till this happens. Finally, then I'll I'll appreciate it. But I'm getting to a point in my life, I'm just ready for him to come. Because it's going to be so much better to experience that than some of the longings and the emptiness and the empty chairs that we experience all so often. So this Christmas, I just want, want you to remember this. Because so often this can be the hardest season for some of us. And we think, is there a place for us to experience joy at Christmas? But the longing and this, of the season of Christmas and Advent is a reminder. The same longing that Israel had waiting for Jesus the first time is the very longing that God wants to redeem in this day and in this age. 
And to me, that is good news. I said this a few weeks ago that, that Paul talks about how we were, were saved. We've been saved, right? There's a sense in which all of that is past tense and that's easy to talk about. But we have to acknowledge we are being saved. Paul talks about that and we will be saved. We have this hope. We have this confidence that cannot be shaken. So this Christmas, we'll talk more about the weeks to come, about the nativity story and all that. But I wanted to take us first back to the story of Israel waiting. And realizing that if you sense yourself waiting today, or if you sense that things aren't settled and you're going to be missing someone this year, or this is just a tough holiday season, I want to bring you hope today to say the same God who promised Israel hope in the future is promising you hope as well in the days to come. So maybe this be a season not just of looking back, not just of creating nostalgic moments that hopefully our kids will, and grandkids that will appreciate one day. But maybe it be a season that we also look forward to the hope we have in Jesus Christ returning in the end. The final words of Scripture are this. Come, Lord Jesus. And that's our cry today. Just as it was for Israel. Let's pray together as we close our time. Father, I thank you so much for the story of Jesus' birth. The fact that you didn't stand far off, that you were willing to come close to us, to move into our neighborhood, to to take on flesh with all that that meant, even the death of your son, Jesus. But God, I'm I'm also thankful that you give us hope about the future, that this isn't just about a story we read about in Scripture, but God, you're still living and active and doing things. So God, uh, would you fill in us a longing for things to be made right? Would you fill in us a longing for justice to be done in this world in ways it is not today? Would you, would you send us, God, an emptiness that, 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 that needs to be filled with your kingdom and, and your work in the world and let us get to work along those lines, joining you in your work in this world and your mission? I thank you that we're not just sitting here waiting on death to take us, God, that death doesn't get the last word in our story, but that death has been defeated and that resurrection is on the horizon. So God, I pray that we can all leave these doors today remembering this is not just about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. This is a story that's yet to be completed. And the battle's been won, but we look forward to it, Lord Jesus. We pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus, who came to do all this and and still is yet to to do all this, God. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Be standing now as we close our time together. Whatever your longing might be today, I just want to let you know you can bring it into this place. You can bring it into this season of Christmas. It's welcome here. Because that very longing is the longing that Israel sent so many years ago. And we serve a God who's not done filling the longings of his people. May we love God. May we love people. May we serve others. Go in peace.